Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, family? So good to see y'all, and it is great to be seen. This is Speak. I am Emmanuel Acho. You could be watching any show. You're hanging with us. We appreciate it greatly on the far end. Slick, Rick, Dubuque, Slick, monochromatic. I like the look. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't do my wardrobe, so I can't take credit for it, but thank you very much. Joy, how are we feeling? Another big game tonight. Well, excited. How can you not be excited about tonight? How can you not be excited? 2-5? What's up, brother? How y'all guys doing? Oh, doing great. Is that Suede? Yeah, it's Philip. It's like inside of my oh, car. Beautiful. Oh, mono, that's a little mono, too. What is it, velvet? <laughs> like somebody's living room, you feel me? That is LaShawn McCoy, the Eagles' all-time rushing leader. It's nothing but fun on this show. Let's get to the fun, which is tonight. Whole world will be watching the NBA Finals as we return for Game 3. It's a pivotal game. I will tell you just how important it is statistically here in a moment. But as for right now, remember the Nuggets lost Game 2 on their home court. The Heat, they got a lot to play for. Michael Malone, head coach of the Nuggets, he said his team handles adversity very well, adding, quote, They'll be much more disciplined in an urgent team for this 48 minutes. I have a thought, America. I have a thought. Hmm. It's a must-win game for the Denver Nuggets. Now, I get it. Mathematically, it's not a must-win game. But practically, in reality, it is a must-win game. When series are 1-1 in the playoffs, the team that wins that game three, particularly in the NBA Finals, the team that wins that game three, they win 80% of the time. 80% of the time, the team that wins game three, when it's locked up at 1-1 in the NBA Finals, that's what happens. 80% of the time, the teams that win game three wins. So that's just one tidbit you want to hold at home. But more importantly, the Nuggets are front runners. I don't say that negatively. They've been in front every series in this playoffs. They've never been behind. And they've been in front the majority of games because they have dominated. They are front runners. But what happens to a front runner when they can't run from in front? That is the issue I have with the Denver Nuggets if they lose tonight. We talked about it a little bit. Think about the NBA playoffs. The Bucks, Giannis got hurt. They faced adversity. You think about the Kings. De'Aaron Fox got hurt. They faced adversity. Mm. The Warriors, Draymond Green got suspended. Adversity. You think about the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, hurt. Adversity. You think about the Miami Heat, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, even Jimmy Butler versus the Knicks misses a game. Hurt. Adversity. But the Denver Nuggets... What adversity have you faced? Mm. And Shady and I can talk about it at nauseum. It's great to find out how tough you are in the regular season, yeah. maybe in training camp, but I don't want to find out how you will do versus adversity in the NBA Finals. Joy, I know mathematically it's not a must win, but in my mind, if the Nuggets don't win tonight, I have a hard time believing they will win the series. You like the Heat. 
as a team in this series? Is game three a must win for the Nuggets? No, it's not a must win. And we haven't been in must win territory yet in the series. I know we, we've talked about it. The Heat got to win game one or they're, they're not going to have a chance in the series. They, they didn't win game one. They looked bad in game one and they won game two. And now it's all of a sudden the Nuggets are the ones who are in a must win situation. Mm-hmm. We're just not there yet in the series. We haven't seen enough from either of these teams. And I think that's what we're going to find out tonight. Game one for the Heat was rough. They shot terribly. I I still maintain that that game didn't end the way that everybody else saw it. That fourth quarter went very differently than the rest of the game. Of course, the Nuggets ended up winning, but the Heat still fought to the very end. The Denver Nuggets lose a tough game at home. Still were within three. If Jamal Murray or someone calls that timeout, they set a shot up and they go into overtime, who knows what we're talking about right now. So tonight really is the game that I think will start to tell the story hmm. of these finals. I don't think it's a must win for the Nuggets because the Nuggets are capable of winning on the road. They do have Batman. It's a bad man. He's got a nickname for a reason. And they are in a situation where they could even it up if they split this away run at the Heat and go back to Denver. So I, I'm, I'm not really that concerned if they drop it tonight, but I do want to see how these two teams respond. The Heat to a really big win and the Nuggets to a tough loss at home. Yeah, technically it's not a must win because to Joy's point, they could win game four, they could even it, they could get home court advantage back, all of that, right? But psychologically... I feel it is. And it is especially for me, not only because what I'm expecting that we would hear from Joy tomorrow, <laughs> but this would be three games in a row that the Denver Nuggets have not played to their capability. I'm going to maintain that if they play to their capability, they're the better team. And that would begin to make me wonder if, and Joy's brought it up, their lack of experience their lack of understanding what playing on this platform is like, much like teams that go to the Super Bowl or great teams in that, and you can speak to this, uh, Shady, about that atmosphere and that pressure and, and just how all the dynamics are different, the, ten- the attention and everything, that the Denver Nuggets are not prepared to handle that. That's what would happen if they lost this. I do think that they have met a, 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 a little bit of... Um, resistance or pressure and that was when they lost the two games in phoenix and it was tied going back to denver and they got molly in those two games and it was like wait wait okay maybe they're not what we thought they were and they responded in kind well this is just on a shorter timeline they they looked really bad in game two it is time now to show people who you are and i think they're, they, you love quotes right of course stephen a king said Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. me. Mm -hmm. Fool me three times, shame on us both. So, Nuggets lose this one tonight. We're both looking back. (laughs) (laughs) 2-5, where do you stand? Is game three a must-win for the Nuggets? I'm going to say no. It's not a must-win. They have two games to get one, to get the the home court back intact. Um, You know, I just want to see some type of attitude. I didn't see the attitude. I didn't see the communication. I didn't see the grit. I didn't see the hunger like you see from a number one seed. Mm not chasing down loose balls or, or guys wide open, not going to contest it. Um, that's the difference. So I, w- I want to see more, t- more of that tonight, and, and we'll see. I mean, this Heat team is, is playing desperate. They're playing hungry. Here's why I think truly uh, it's a must-win. Joy, I know you don't really subscribe to the must-win mentality. I've worked with you long enough to, to understand that, unless it literally is a must-win. It comes down exclusively to mentality for me. 
The Heat have a lot of hope. They've had a lot of hope. Every underdog has hope. And I look at hope as borrowing tomorrow's certainty for today's comfort. You want to comfort yourself? You're hopeful. It hasn't necessarily happened yet, so you're going to borrow from tomorrow to pay off today. But if the Heat actually win today, you ain't got to borrow nothing no more. You own it. Whenever you are playing a team that is not as talented as you or is not supposed to win, you want to put them away early. Your coaches will tell you all the time, this team isn't as good as us. Let's put them away early. Let's step on them like a cockroach. Take away all their hope. Hmm. The Heat won game two. So now that hope is to some degree actualized. If they win game three, oh, now you ain't got to hope no more. Now we know we're better than you, Nuggets. We, we, we used to think we were better than you. We, we hoped we were better than yeah. you. But now we know beyond the shadow of a doubt for a fact we are better than you. We can beat you in a series because we can get up ahead of you in a series. To this point thus far, the Nuggets have let no one get ahead of them in a series. The Lakers, oh, yeah, we just got to steal one. You know, we just got to get one. Lakers couldn't get one. Even the Phoenix Suns got to at home. But in my mind, you knew Kevin Durant and Devin Booker could not continually average 65 to 70 co- collective points. Wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the Nuggets were never trailing in that series. But this one, this game, Joy, this is why I'm like, nah, this is different for me. This is, this is different. If the Heat win this, then all of that faith that you have and all that faith that Heat people have, it ain't got to be faith no more. You're seeing it with your eyes. Uh, well, my prediction for the series is Heat in seven. So I, I can't sit here and say that I'm going to call this game must win because I think that this is going to be a long series. And I hear you on the mentality. I hear you on the hope. But I just return to that only goes so far. You actually have to go play the game. Mm-hmm. Spolstra mm-hmm. can put together an incredible game plan. Malone can put together an incredible game plan. It it at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what's executed on the court. And that doesn't come solely from hope. Those Heat players are confident because they've been in big games yes. before. Mm-hmm. This same exact team, essentially, is the team that was in Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics last year. Sure. So we're talking about this, you know, eight seed and play-in game, like all that's good. They had a rough regular season, but this is essentially the same team that was in that position last year. High stakes, Eastern Conference Finals, game seven. So it's, it's not so much hope as, as at this point for me with the Heat as it is actual execution, because I believe, and I think that they've shown that all of these players, all these undrafted players and, mm-hmm. you know, scrappy culture players are actually playing like they are actually executing. So and similarly, Denver, despite their lack of experience in the finals, is capable of playing at a high level. Also, here's my thought. And Shady, I need you to chime in on this one is every now and then you'll watch tape and you know you're good and you know your team is good. But you'll watch tape of the opposing team and you'll say, yeah, we can beat these guys, but they're more talented than us. Like, if nothing else had happened, it had to have happened at Pitt. Maybe not with the Eagles, maybe with uh, the Bills. I get what you're saying. But, like, they're more talented than us. Yeah. The Miami Heat watch tape. And when you turn on the tape, whether it's all of the regular season or the playoffs, because the Denver Nuggets also had just as convincing a playoff run, a more convincing playoff run than the Miami Heat. When you turn on the tape as a Heat player, you know you can win. But in the back of your mind as an athlete, you also know, hey, if they get going, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they really can get us. That shady is kind of what I'm speaking to with Denver. I was like, Miami in the back of their head, they know like if they were down 2-0 or 3-0, I think they might concede to the reality mentally of like, 
Yo, they, they really are better than us. But I uh, see, I don't see it on the Miami end of things. I see it on the Denver end of things. I don't think the mentality of the Miami Heat is going to change. They, they could lose game three. They're going to go into game four thinking they can win. They're, I mean, we, we joked about it in the pregame show. Like, Jimmy Butler's going to go, we're going to win the next game. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, and they, they go where he, they follow. I mean, they lead where he, the, they follow where he leads. I'll get that eventually, one of these days. It's the Denver Nuggets mentality that I believe could have a hole punched into it. Because we question Michael Porter Jr.'s mental toughness up until this playoff run. We even questioned Nikola Jokic in terms of whether he was really a gamer in the postseason. Aaron Gordon, same thing. Like, those are the guys that if they lose and they fall behind to this Miami Heat team, those are the guys that I worry about are going to be looking at it and are going to revert to the mentality that we've seen from them previously. Very well said. We cannot wait for that game to tip off. In the meantime, a very intriguing topic coming up to discuss. One of the most fascinating in football, who has the best wide receiver duo? A lot of incredible skill position groups. But the Dolphins, is it the Eagles with Brown and Smith? Is it the Chargers? Allen. Who has the best Stephen Grew in football? Don't forget, you can check us out every day on the Fox Sports Channel on Sirius XM. Let's talk a little NFL. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks, but the hidden gem to Super Bowls, the hidden gem to winning is actually what happens at the wide receiver group. Think about it historically. That team that has two great wide receivers, whether Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, whether Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill back in the day, those teams that have those two dudes that can catch the ball, yeah, those are the teams that win. So we're going to talk you through the top five receiving duos in the National Football League. At number five, this one was the toughest one for me. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf, he's that big body receiver, 6'3", 235 pounds, runs a 4'4". Tyler Lockett is the burner on the back end. He helps get things done. At number four, it's a new one, CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks. We know how good CeeDee Lamb is. All pro. That's very hard to do. But Brandon Cooks, I will continue to remind you all, he's had six 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and he's had three different quarterbacks over the course of it. So Brandon Cooks helps aid CeeDee Lamb. They're at number four in the top five receiving duos. At number three, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown, you know what he is, an absolute beast. Last year, all-pro wide receiver. Devontae Smith, he won the Heisman in college as a wide receiver. Bonafide beast out there, former first-round pick. At number two, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Now, those dudes are both bad dudes. 6'4 wide receivers, 6'3 wide receivers, and what they can do with the ball after they catch it, it's what separates them, but that's what separates my number one. Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, because when you talk about yak yards, beast, 1,300 yards for Jalen Waddle, even more for Tyree Kill. They are the best wide receiving duo in all of the National Football League. But I got to head to the desk and see if there is anybody that I missed. Shady, you played with some mm. great duos. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, whoever you want to say. Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, you know what it takes to watch and play with a great receiving duo. Who has the best wide receiving duo? I want to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, but then I thought about it. That, that's a great tandem. I got to go with Dolphins, right? Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill, like them guys together. All that speed is so hard to cover. And not, not only just the speed part, but they got, like, true number one talent on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Wild could be a number one on, on a lot of different teams. Then you add in Ty- Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill hasn't had a bad year in the last, what, seven, eight years? 
Mm. He's productive all the time. There was a period of time where I thought that Tua was just regular quarterback. He won't last long, yeah. right? That's how it was going. It was okay. His team kept trying to replace him. And then Tyree Hill comes to the picture, mm. right? And you see the difference. Him and Waddle together, 1,300 yards and then 1,700 yards on offense? When you do that with the wide receivers, you can get anything you want. You can run the ball. You can play action. You get the tight ends over mm. the top. Whatever you want to do, you can do. You got wide receivers like that. So, Montana, I had to go with them too. All of these receiving duos are really good. You could argue they're all elite. What to you is a separating factor between Hill and Waddle and say Jamar Chase and T or Hill and Waddle and Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? They are all elite, but what is that small gap for you? I just think it's, it's, it's the number one wide receivers on both sides, right? You look to the left, you got Hill. You look to the right, you got Waddle. Then I look at the things you could do with them. Everybody talks about the speed. They're doing more than that, though. They're doing underneath routes that you're throwing for 10 yards that's going 85 for a touchdown. They're throwing over-the-top deep routes. They're doing screens. They're doing handoffs. They can do everything in this offense. And I just think that when I watch them play, they scare you. Where, where, where other teams, mm-hmm. the number one's going to really scare you, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and number, number two was just really good. We've got to watch them. Where both of these guys, they scare you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Slick, where do you land on this nah. one? Top receiving duos. You watch a lot of Bengals ball, but you watch a lot of NFL ball. Yeah, man. I, look, I, I wrestled with this so much because hey. if you look at the top three that you put up there, they really are different in a lot of ways. And, uh, and But my biggest wrestle was with the Philadelphia Eagles combo and the Bengals combo. And I will admit, like, I didn't want to go with the Bengals because I don't want to look like a homer. homer. But also because I don't know how much to weigh Joe Burrow's ability into how good they are and his relationship with Jamar Chase. Not to take anything away from those guys as receivers. But the reason that I ultimately went with the Eagles over those two is because the number one thing for me with with receivers is I want to know that if you're open and I throw you the ball, you're going to catch it. And for Waddle and Hill, there's just, there's too many drops. I get you in terms of, of how scary they are and how they open up everything else for everybody else. But the precision of the routes and your ability to catch the ball along with that speed and maybe the size too. Yep. That matters. Right. That, 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 you have, Brown and, yep. you have A.J. Brown, you have T. Higgins, you have that element. And if we're talking about a duo and what they present as a combo, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles first, and I would probably go with the Bengals second, and I would go with the Dolphins third. Fair. Joy, where you stand? <laughs> She's waddling. No, we like stats around here, Shady. I mean, Hill and Waddle have the most receiving yards of any wide receiver duo in 2022. They had almost 400 more yards than the closest tandem, which was A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And they did that with four regular season games and one playoff game without Tua. That's crazy. That's, that's really, really crazy. There are some stats that we throw out there that like, don't really have a lot of meat to them. That one does to me, because we're talking about this duo kind of isolated from who's throwing to them, right? Like, we're not really measuring. All these guys obviously have decent quarterbacks because someone has to get the ball to them. But they would do this with pretty much any quarterback. And that speaks to them. And that's nothing against Tua. It's just that they had these numbers and Tua was injured. So that shows you how elite they are. They're, and I think sometimes when it comes to Tyreek, you, you want, like, the big – go up and grab it. You want the, the long receiver. Like, he just does all of that, and he doesn't need to be that size. I mean, he's just, 
it's just a leap that you can't duplicate. Shady, when I was looking at this list, I, I said to myself, they all have maybe top 10 quarterbacks. Now I was wondering, is it the receiver in your mind that's making the quarterback, or do you think it's the quarterback that's making the receiver? Because I don't mm. think it's coincidence, right? You think about Joe Burrow. He's there with Jamar Chase and with T. Higgins. You think about Tua Tungabailoa there with Waddle, et cetera. Is it the receivers helping the quarterbacks more or the quarterbacks helping the receivers? I think they're helping each other out. I mean, for me to say that, you know, Burrow is making Jamar Chase, you know, that's that's crazy, right? I think it's a mixture of both of them. I I think it's only one real quarterback I I feel like that can play with just anybody, and that's Patrick Mahomes. He's in the category of himself. Um, Because I don't know how great Joe Burrow will be without Jamar Chase. Haven't seen it, college or pro. And and you know what? I don't want to find that out. I love when I watch the the Bengals and I watch uh, Joe Burrow throwing bombs to Jamar Chase. I love to see that. And I don't want to even break that down to see what would Jamar will be without him and without – yeah, I don't even want to see that. Fair. Well, are you talking about your list or our list? Uh, who's in your top five then? I was talking about – No, I was, I was talking about like as far as quarterbacks go because CeeDee Lamb and Cooks are at four. Yep, they got Dak. He's a top ten quarterback. Oh. Hmm. And uh, Metcalf and Lockett. Geno Smith coming off a of Pro Bowl season. I would have said that's why the top question 10, to me is so fast. Coming off that Pro Bowl season, now that we have to kick guys like Kyler Murray out of the top ten, you got to kick guys like Russell Wilson out of the top ten. Mm-hmm. I think I need to do some counting first. But <laughs> I, no, I do think it's, I mean it's a dependent position. Somebody has to get you the ball, and it obviously makes your life harder if you're not playing with a top quarterback. I mean, this mm-hmm. is D Hop is out there right now. We're going to get to see what he's like with a different quarterback than he was with over over the past season, and it could look different. Like you could be so skilled that the quarterback is holding you back, and we can see that. But yeah, I'm going to have to do some counting before we... No, you, it, it's, uh, it's just you know, fascinating because like I'm like... Analysts. Well, it's fascinating coming into the season. I'm looking at the Chargers and what they have. Yeah. I'm looking at the fact that we, the, arguably the top two uh, wide receivers in the game are not listed in our duos with Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. and Devontae Adams. And if just one guy comes along with one of those guys... And, Devon Diggs. And, and, the, and the, to, to be uh, totally uh, transparent, like... You're right. There is probably something about Tyreek Hill looking so different than your classic wide receiver and what they look like because his speed and his size, it's just he looks so different. That's where it's hard for me with I think Waddle and, 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 and Hill are very similar and they look the same to me and they look different than what I think of when I think of a classic all-time wide receiver. See, and that's, I think that's the, the issue with like the tra- traditional wide receiver or player. Hmm. Like, Antonio Brown, we used to always argue this all the time. And people would say, oh, I'm taking Julio, no doubt. And I'm thinking, like, well, Julio's a great player. Like, yes, you know, if you take A.B. or take Julio, it's, it's great picks. But, but, but why are you going with Julio? And, I, and, and you would think it would be like, oh, he's fast and he, he got his routes or his stats. They go to his straight to his size. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, you, you go into his size, but if you look at Antonio Brown, like, he's smaller. He's just as productive or even more. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So I just feel like when we watch yep. these players, yep. no matter if it's even wide receiver, whatever position it is, mm-hmm. it's like it, we in the back of our mind, we go to the traditional style. Correct. Same thing with the quarterbacks of, of the scramblers mm-hmm. compared to the guys in the pocket. Great point. You know what I'm saying? Great point. It is fascinating. And talking to a head coach currently, it's all about who do you prefer to defend. Right. Like some people prefer right. to defend Tyreek Hill because you know exactly where he lines up. You know what route he's going to run. Mm-hmm. Some people would rather not defend Jamar Chase because it doesn't matter where he lines up. He can give you a go. He can give you a post. Mm-hmm. All these receivers will have productive seasons and you can count on their teams doing so as well. Well, 
coming up, speaking of productivity, the Jets are expecting tremendous performance from Aaron Rodgers. They're talking about the Super Bowl, but here's a question. Are they putting too much stock in Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers could shake up the entirety of the NFL next year. Come listen to us talk about it next on Speak. We need to put some more weight on that sled. Is what you need to do. Baseball is back, and so is Slippin' Bats. Five times a week, Monday through Friday. So follow us on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. family let's check in on our social life the breaking news of well the sports games today is that josh allen is the cover guy for madden nfl 24 allen tweeted a childhood dream come true close quote stated that's your former teammate that's cool and all but i question were you ever near being on the cover i know you had your own shoe i know all these things yeah what's my man's name from the um hillis Hilton. Peyton hillis Peyton hillis he beat me out one year. I was like, how he beat me out? What is this guy? That would have been the, someone looked that up. I'm going to guess the 2014 cover. Yeah, I think that was that year. Another year, I had some pretty good years. I should have got on the cover. I thought I was going to get it. Because back then they used to do like the voting yep, and all that. Yep, I was yep. like, how he went out of all people? Them Cleveland fans, Browns fans. I was like, come on, bro. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Clearly Shady's still uh, a little uh, thoughts by that one. Where are you at, uh, Joy, on the cover of this? I mean, it's great. Are we still doing the curse? Is that a thing? We're not speaking of that. Someone broke curse? it, I think. Yeah. I yeah. think the yeah. I think someone broke it in the last like. That's three a dream years. to be on the cover. Though. Who was it? It was Burrow. Nah, Burrow wasn't on Mahomes? the cover. Had to have been Mahomes. Had to have been. I'm sure Mahomes. Been Mahomes. I'm like, I think somebody broke the cover. You nice in Madden? I used to be. What Madden? My hey, my Madden game used to be crazy because what I would do, I would come out in different nickel packages and like dare you to run. But I'd come out in nickel and I'd blitz you. So you'd run, I'd stop the run. You try to pass it, I already got you locked up. That's neither here nor there. Slick, where you at? Ah, uh, it's just like where where we are with Josh Allen and what he has. I mean, we just talked about it the other day how much he has to prove this season, and then you add the Madden cover. It always feels like you got to live up to that Madden cover true. as well, right? So, I, I, dream come true? Watch out, man. Sometimes they come nightmares. I mean, you ain't turning down the Madden cover, though. You <laughs> not turn, you're not turning down the Madden cover. No, was, I'm not saying you're turning it down ever. No, you're not. But, it, it, but it's a little tricky because it puts you out. It's a, it's it a was Mahomes spotlight. who broke the curse. He won the Super Bowl the same year he as was a, on the cover. the Madden cover? We'll see if Josh Allen can do the same thing. Ooh, but more maybe, importantly, maybe it's a new thing. The real question is, can Aaron Rodgers bring the Jets to Super Bowl? Because that is the talk of the NFL. He's a four-time MVP. He's a Super Bowl champ, future Hall of Famer, first ballot. But the Jets linebacker, C.J. Mosley, All-Pro, he knows all too well about Rodgers' accolades. Take a listen. He sets the bar. Um, he sets the expectation with his resume, with his name, and you know the way he, he approaches the game every single day. You think about Rodgers' resume, Shady, and you, he's won four MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won several playoff games. He's been the number one seed several times. He's had several 13-win seasons. His resume is ridiculous. And because of that, the Jets are putting a lot of stock in the man that is Aaron Rodgers. But do you think the Jets are putting too much stock in Aaron Rodgers? No. I think bringing Aaron Rodgers there, it, it will bring up the – the value of the players, right? When I say the value of the players, I mean, when I come into the locker room, I see Aaron Rodgers to the left of me, right? I got to bring my game, my A game. I never want to be the, the, the linkest link on the yep. offense or on, on the team. And I feel like when he's there, it, it brings everybody's game up to a whole nother level. Um, and, and I love it. I love what the Jets are doing. I, I love the type of pressure 
Um, they're putting on Aaron that, listen, it's, it's your team, and, and let's see where you take us. Is it any chance, though, in your mind that, like, it's just too, the pressure's too much? The, not the pressure's too much. The expectations are too high. Mm-hmm. When Tom Brady went to the Bucs and you joined Tom Brady and the Bucs, you all won a Super Bowl. The expectations were Super Bowl. But Tom Brady's won a lot of Super Bowls prior to joining the Bucs. They have similar expectations for Aaron Rodgers, but truth be told, he's won one Super Bowl over 10 years ago. He's only won multiple playoff games, I believe, twice in the last 12 years. So once in the last 12 years. So Aaron Rodgers is giving is getting a Tom Brady type of treatment without a Tom Brady type of accolades. Do you think that people are thinking too highly of him? I I don't know what what other players that are even quarterbacks that can relate to Tom Brady. So it's like, I mean, Joe Montana, (laughs) he's been done. So I look at. A-Rod, he's, he's the closest thing to Tom. And, not, and let's, let's put some more respect on, 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 I guess, how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Like, yeah, Tom Brady, he came to the, to the Bucs and he had all these different players. But I, I didn't think people were like, oh, they're guaranteed going to win a Super Bowl. It's, never, it's been a long time since the Bucs won a Super Bowl, right? Just getting to the playoffs was enough. And then once you get there, then anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing with the Jets. They've been, what, 13 years without a Super Bowl run? Not without a playoff, a playoff run? Yet. Come on. So to even get there, I, I think they have a, the, the, the potential. To even get to the playoffs, anything can happen once you get there. Yeah. It is the AFC. True. I mean, it's tough. Joy, are they putting too much stock in Aaron Rodgers this year? Well, I mean, they don't have a choice but to put stock in Aaron Rodgers this year, but I think they're, they're, they're depending a lot on certain parts of his resume. But, you know, your resume, you don't put all that detail, right? Like, you put mm-hmm. the best things <laughs> on your resume because you want to get hired. But the whole story of Aaron Rodgers particularly lately, which is what you should pay attention to, isn't quite what we think because we, we zone in immediately on the uh, MEPs. Mm-hmm. Great. It's not really the Jets' goal for Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP this Correct. year. Now, if he wins the MVP, that will be because their team a is successful right. during yep. the regular season. A lot went right. Over the last six seasons, he's two and three in the playoffs. He has the same playoff record as Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, and Dak Prescott. Last year, they missed the playoffs. He didn't have a game where he threw for more than 300 yards, and they lost in the last game to the Lions with an opportunity to go to the playoffs. He, so uh, to me, like, there, there are great things on his resume. He's extremely talented, first ballot Hall of Famer, four MVPs, Super Bowl. We know all that. But he's going into year 19. And I'm, I'm confused a little bit with what the expectations should be based off of his resume, mm-hmm. based off of what the Jets have done as of recent, and then based off of the standard that we hold guys of his resume to. We just mentioned Tom Brady, right? I'm with Shady. I don't compare anybody to Tom Brady. But a lot's happened since that Tom Brady Super Bowl. Tom Brady went, he left the Patriots, shocking dynasty, goes to Tampa Bay, wins a Super Bowl immediately. And then Matthew Stafford, who did not have the resume of Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, left the Lions, went to the Rams, did what? Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl. And then Russell Wilson, who had kind of a similar final season in Seattle to Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay, went to Denver, and we were saying what? Standards should be Super Bowl. Tom Brady did it. Matthew Stafford did it. Russell Wilson's going to a team that we feel on paper is just the quarterback away. And it was a disaster. Now, there's other factors in it, of course. Maybe the coach wasn't right. It's, it's, you know, maybe Russ isn't that good anymore. We don't know. But 
that's where I struggle with how much stock the Jets are putting in Aaron Rodgers, because all we can do right now is look on paper and make predictions, mm-hmm. right, based off of what we see on paper. But as we know, what's on paper doesn't always translate to the field. And Russell Wilson is a perfect example of that. So, yeah, he has a great resume. But there's some holes, there's some, mm-hmm. there's some gaps in the resume that I would ask if, if interviewing, well, well, what about this this part here is it's very small. You used eight point font there. Yeah. I got my glasses, but like this part's a little concerning. Can you explain that to me when you're talking about what the expectations are for the Jets and how this is all actually going to translate? Yes, they are putting too much weight on his resume because there's stuff that is vital to where the Jets want to go that isn't on the resume. There's, there's the accomplishments, but then there's how are you with your coworkers? What kind of atmosphere do you create? And for them to go where they want to go, and Shady, I, like, we, you can say until you're blue in the face that winning a Super Bowl is hard, winning in the playoffs is hard. Yeah, I don't see anything, so but go ahead. But we've been attaching, fair or otherwise, we've been attaching Super Bowl to the Jets ever since Aaron Rodgers became mentioned as their quarterback. Whether that's fair or not, that's just what people's expectations are. And do I think, uh, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about the fact that he supposedly had a thumb issue last year. So that could have very well impacted his numbers. Just two years ago, 34 TDs, seven interceptions, averaged 260 yards, Mm. uh, nearly 260 yards a game. I mean... I would expect that he's going to get back to some uh, semblance of that Aaron Rodgers this season. But is he going to be the galvanizing figure that we heard in the clip about the expectations that come with him and how he raises everybody's uh, standard? Like, I don't know if that's, the, if, if, if that's the Aaron Rodgers, then that should have had an impact on the Packers last year, regardless of what his personal condition was. That's, that's where I think they're putting too much weight on the accomplishments and not more recently how he got there. Who is Aaron Rodgers, though? I think that's the real question. Because even when I think about Aaron Rodgers, and we can make stats sound better than they actually are. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Aaron Rodgers, you said two and three in the playoffs in the last... In the last six seasons. In the last six seasons. I would also suggest in the last six seasons he's gone to the conference championship game three times. So he's been one game away from the Super Bowl three times in the last seven seasons, truly, last mm-hmm. season. I would also suggest if I were defending Aaron Rodgers, I would say very simply, versus LaShawn McCoy and the Bucks, when the Bucks won, the Packers' defense gave up 31 points. Versus the San Francisco 49ers, when the Niners won, the Packers' defense gave up 37 points. Versus the Atlanta Falcons, when the Falcons won in 2016 to go to the Super Bowl, the Packers' defense gave up 44 points. So if you give up 44, 37, and 31, you're not winning no games. Ask any defensive coordinator, ask any head coach. If you are a Jets fan, if you're Robert Sala, mind you, head coach of the Jets' defensive mind, he's looking and saying, okay, for all of Aaron Rodgers' shortcomings, how many times last year did we give up 31 points? I don't have that off the top of my head. I'm sure I can find out in the next 30 seconds. Mm. How many times did we give up 37 points last year? How many times did we give up 44 points last year? Aaron Rodgers is doing his job. If I'm a Jets fan, it's very simple. You going to get me one game away from the Super Bowl three times in the last seven years? One game away? But this is a, but this is a brand new situation. And my question is, when his wide receivers struggle, 
How is Aaron going to respond to that? When, when Robert Sala makes a decision that he doesn't agree with, how is he going to respond to that? Those are the questions that I have about where they want to go. The solidarity of Aaron Rodgers coming in as this brand new free agent uh, versus the Packers where it, it was, I mean, he was part of their culture there. This is just a different thing. And I think that the Jets are assuming that he's going to bring that Packers culture but what to culture? the New York Jets. See, to me, Joy, I, I think... Which is it, continual success. Aaron Rodgers, to me, success isn't culture. To me, and, and Shady can speak to this more because he was more successful. To me, culture is a mindset. Now, mm -hmm. usually that mindset, it dictates success, but I know some teams that have great cultures and did not win a ton of games just because they lack the talent. You know that a lot at the collegiate level. Aaron Rodgers, I assume, Joy, is going to bring talent there. But I also think, as it, as it stands right now, we're seeing an Aaron Rodgers that is happier to be at a place than he's ever been in the last five or so years. Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to OTAs. Aaron Rodgers has quite literally taken a private jet to go to the NFL executive director's meetings to say that we shouldn't have OTAs in the NFL. And now he is willingly going to OTAs? But get this, he got hurt during the first week of OTAs, and he still went. Could you imagine if Aaron Rodgers got hurt during OTAs in, in Green Bay? Bro, he'd be in Hawaii yeah. in the middle of this. So I think Aaron Rodgers is giving more than he was giving the last four or five seasons in Green Bay. Yeah, and, and look, I don't like to say too many nice things about the Packers because they've been frustrating to me over the years, but we're going to drip a little respect on the Green Bay Packers. I mean, yeah. the Green Bay Packers are a very successful organization. You and have, have to say they have a good for a culture. very long time. No? Like, they have a good culture. Yeah, okay, maybe I misspoke. I didn't say they had a bad culture. I said Aaron Rodgers is not bringing culture. Okay. Aaron Rodgers brought right, winning. Right, but like, the Green the, Bay. I would argue that the culture, no, he didn't. The, the, the Green Bay Packers have been a good organization for like 30 years. Like, they've had ups and downs here and there, but they've had a first ballot Hall of Famer at the quarterback position for the last 30 years. We'll see what happens moving forward. And again, I don't want to dig too much into the Green Bay Packers here, but I would argue, to your point, that all Aaron's bringing is talent. So the him going to OTAs and stuff like that, that's, that's also going to be on behalf of Aaron Rodgers. Like, he needs to be there. He has expectations of him now that are different than we're in Green Bay. If he just rode off into the sunset in Green Bay without all the drama, it might mm -hmm. be a different situation. Let's not forget this is New York here. And the Giants had a good season last year. And they're expecting to be better this year. This isn't he. You're not playing in Green Bay anymore. This is New York City. When stuff starts to get hairy which we can assume at some point it will because I'm not expecting them to go undefeated this season. How does the adversity thing play into it? That is my, that's really my question with Aaron Rodgers. I know he's a different guy when he's motivated and he is and all that. That's, that's cool. My, I guess what the resistance that I'm running into here is that he had a down year last year in a situation he was familiar with in an organization that is traditionally a winning organization. This is not that situation. And he's not bringing the culture. So the culture's got to come from somewhere. Bringing winning. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. He's bringing winning. He better. I'm saying, would you agree with that? The, the culture doesn't exist. So if he brings winning, then maybe it won't matter. But he's got two years to do that. Yeah, I just think that he, he brings winning. He's been in a winning quarterback. He hasn't had the, the, the Super Bowls to prove it, but he's been a winning quarterback. He's had the yeah. first seeds. Mm -hmm. You talked about how many games that they were away from being in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Like, that's hard to do. So I just think that he's playing with a better team, better defense, better talent. Right, you bring winning mixture, mixture of all the, the stuff I just talked about from the talent part, part um, and the defense. That should be enough on but, paper. But but my thing is like when y'all be playing around with the Super Bowl thing, it's like 
If we just talk about the last, what, five quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, who is, is, who is it? Is, you Mahomes, got Brady, Stafford, Brady, Mahomes. I'm not Brady. saying it's rational. And, and, then you, and if you keep going even farther, it's like, come on. It's, you're not going to find a quarterback that's going to go to the Super Bowl every year. For sure. Other than Patrick Mahomes. That's it. I don't, even, I don't think that the expectations for the Jets are Super Bowl. I mean, that I, I, but the fact just that, to be a contender, I feel like is, the fact is, that the 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 word Jets and Super Bowl are being mentioned together is a product of Aaron Rodgers being there, yeah. right. which means the expectations have been raised yeah. for an organization that has the longest playoff drought in in major sports. That's a big jump to make. But that's what I'm saying. So them having the the, the possibility to even get to the playoffs, right? Right. And then anything can happen from there. I don't know if I would make the, the, the Jets the favorite to win the Super Bowl. You get you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, but them to have the chance to even get there, been 13 years but, without the playoffs. But there is a separation. The same, the same thing when, when, when the Bengals beat uh, Kansas City and Kansas, and Kansas yep. City. Yeah. Right now, they were doing well. I'm like, okay, I can see them doing solid in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But just to have a chance to get there, anything is possible. But That's there, my thing. But there's a separation when we talk about teams that are capable of making the playoffs and teams that are Super Bowl contenders. There's a, yeah, those are two different of groups. Course, of course. And we've leapfrogged the New York Jets into Super Bowl contenders. That's Absolutely. been the question that we've asked. And I know where you're staying, where you're saying, look, you got to take the first step before you take the second one. And, but that's, we haven't done that. We've leapfrogged them directly well, into we haven't taken, Super Bowl Well, we haven't taken any steps, to your point. We haven't taken any steps yet. We've leapfrogged them, leapfrogged them and they haven't taken any steps yet. Right. But also, this is not an ongoing situation. This is not the Bengals with Joe Burrow. This is not the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. This is not the Bills. This is, not, this is not the Ravens. You've got two years to do this. He's in year 19. And we're saying two years because we're assuming he's going to play next year. Like, the Jets have gone all in with this situation with a, a quarterback going into his 19th year for a temporary situation to go all in. So you really don't have the runway to, to play around with, which is why I, I still struggle with what the expectations mm. for this team should be. Mm. We will see. We will see. I know we're going to be talking a lot about it. That's all I can tell y'all. Well, coming up, it's the game we've all been waiting for. Game three of the NBA Finals. Well, Jimmy Butler, superstar for the Miami Heat, he says that, you know, playoff Jimmy, not a real thing. Can't make sense (laughs) of that one. We'll tell you if we love it or we hate it next on Speak. Jimmy Butler's been putting up huge numbers, especially at the beginning of the playoffs. But since he's cooled down, we haven't seen, you know, playoff Jimmy, as we colloquially call it, in the finals yet. But if you ask Butler, he's not stressing about it. Take a listen. Just because I score a lot of points one game, it doesn't make you a score. I'm not a volume shooter. I don't do any of that. Um, I don't press to score. I only press to win. This playoff Jimmy narrative is not a thing. Um... I just want to win along with everybody else. So I don't worry about too much other things except for winning. I'm so irked by this. You knew I was. You knew I would be. This playoff Jimmy's not a thing. Here's why I'm irked by this. You can't call for attention and then hang up. Jimmy Butler literally, he literally, I'm not making this up, he filed to trademark playoff Jimmy before the NBA final started. I am not making this up. The dude filed for a trademark on the quote playoff Jimmy. You can't call for attention and hang up. Jimmy Butler, you quite literally called for attention unintentionally by your phenomenal play, 56 points against the Bucks game four, 42 points against the Bucks game five. You quite literally called it for attention unintentionally, but then you called for attention intentionally by filing a trademark on playoff Jimmy. 
Then after your two worst cumulative scoring performances of the NBA playoffs, a 13-point game and a 21-point game, now you not play off Jimmy. Now you don't try to score. Like, just say your legs aren't under you anymore. You're still a phenomenal defender. You are still a phenomenal talent. You are still a brilliant mind, and you are going to do everything it takes to win. But don't try to lower the bar now on the expectations of who you are. You play off Jimmy. I didn't say so. The trademark that you can look up nationally says so. Don't try to change the narrative now because you had a 13-point game. It's all good. 13-point games happen. Accept it. Keep it pushing. But, Joy, I don't like the elasticity of the narrative around playoff Jimmy. I don't like it. What's he supposed to go out there and say? He's tired. He's not scoring the same amount of points, but he's still going to contribute as he can to win. He's going to say he's tired. He's going to say that. Like His play is saying it. He's, he's doing a press conference. He's going to go into a press conference and say he's tired. He said that the team will win because of Bam Adebayo. I don't think he believes that either. Of course he believes that. I think the team's going to win because of Jimmy Butler. Okay. Well, first of all, the, the trademark thing doesn't mean anything to me. If you've had somebody make money off of your name before, you go trademark things when it comes up, whether you're going to use it or not. That's true. Are you going to let somebody else trademark playoff Jimmy and make money off of that when people are referring to you as that? No, I just don't think you can trademark it and then say it's not a thing. It's literally a thing. Maybe it isn't a thing to him, but it ain't going to be something to somebody else. Nobody else is going to make shirts and make money off of it. Nobody else is going to make beer and make money off of it if they're attributing playoff Jimmy to Jimmy. Now, maybe he will make merch with it. I don't know. But as of right now, all he did was trademark it. People trademark things all the time. And asking for attention this is not Jimmy's style at all. Like, it's not consistent with his, his style of play. It's not consistent with his leadership style. What is not? Being somebody who's out here b- bravado and making wild predictions. And before we bring up guaranteeing a game, what else is he supposed to say? Yeah, I think we're going to lose this next game. We're probably going to lose this next game. I'm a little you tired. Say, My legs are weak. We're probably going to lose the next there's game. There's a actually. difference, Joy, between guaranteeing a game and saying we're going to lose. You know there's what? A just, l- there's a lot of stuff. We just hope to be invited back. Just hope to be invited back. <laughs> I mean, I have no problem with what he said. That's, that is exactly mm. what he's supposed to say. He is supposed to give, uh, be respectful of the Denver Nuggets and his opponent. He is supposed to build up his teammates. He's supposed to say that they're going to win because of Bam. He's not going to go out there and be like, yeah, you're going to win because of me. I'm Jimmy Buckets. I'm him. That's, that's what he should say. That's, that's, what you, that's the quote we've, that you we've want out there. We've heard people say that. And how does that usually go for them? For Kevin Durant, it went well. I mean, that's not going to happen. Like, that's not what he's supposed to do. That's not, we would be dragging him. If they lose, it becomes a thing. It, 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 it snowballs into a whole story. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with what he said. I just made a note to myself, I need to trademark Slick without a K. Yeah. Well, Slick, <laughs> Slick Rick is definitely already trademarked. It's, it's, so. Slick without yeah. a K. I have to spin it forward. Yeah. He, already, uh, he, he also trademarked. I love, I love that you hate it. That's what I love, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I think he's just being himself. And he's being honest. Um, and to Joy's point, that, that he trademarked Jimmy, play, uh, Jimmy playoff, playoff Jimmy. Playoff Jimmy. Um, he also trademarked Hemi Buckets. Like, he's being a businessman when it comes to those things. Um, I think the reality is that he knows who he is. And just being a scorer is not who he is. It also covers for the fact that 
I mean, why do we call? Why do we think of him as playoff Jimmy? Why do we think of him as a different player? Because he gets buckets, hence the name Jimmy Buckets. No, but but also because he's a different player in the postseason yes, sir. than he is in the regular season. Yes, sir. And this is one of the elements that's kind of hidden in all this, which is we don't what we don't think of Jimmy is as a load manager. Mm-hmm. We don't put him in that category. We think of him as this grinding type guy because that's what he is in the postseason. Take a look at his regular seasons. This, this year he played 64. That's the most he's played like in the last five years. It's been like 55, 54. And if you look at the games that he takes off, it's not like he has an injury or anything. It's just like every three or four games. Ah, got a crick in the neck. He load manages through the regular season and saves himself for the postseason. So if we got into this whole playoff, Jimmy, we really start doing a deep dive on how he approaches the game. We might change the whole persona. It actually plays to his benefit to go, oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not playoff. Agree. Because everybody else is going to go, oh, no. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. That's where I'm at, though, Shady, is like anytime you lower the bar for yourself, of course it plays to your benefit because now people don't hold you to the – if he's not playoff Jimmy, we can't hold him to the standard of playoff Jimmy. But if he is playoff Jimmy, we can hold him to that standard. You love it, you hate it, where you fall I mean, I love it. I I, I guess watching and following Jimmy Butler, even from Philadelphia, that's when I really start following him, following him. He's always seemed like a straight shooter, right? I don't see him lying. I don't see him trying to get more attention. I, I can see what Joey's talking about. Well, he want, probably wanted to, listen, y'all not going to make money off my name, right? Trademarked it. And then, but I don't think it's nothing to it. I mean, he averaged, what, 29 points the first three series, right? Mm-hmm. And now this series, he's not averaging as much, but they're, they're I mean, they're, they're going to the number one seed and they're tied. One, one, going back home. So it's working for the Heat. I, I think Jimmy's a guy like, what you need is what I'll give you. You need me to score 40? <sighs> I'll do it. Right? I'll go out there and do it. Mm. Or you need me to just play defense and, and play through the offense? I'll do it. I think whatever you need from Jimmy Butler, I think he'll give you that. And I don't, I don't see him as a liar. So I, I love what he said. I mean, it's, if he says none to it, it's none to it. What do you make, though, Joy, of lowering the standard to meet it? That's really probably my rub with it is you have the name Jimmy Buckets not because you play great defense. You're not mm. called Jimmy Buckets because you're going to go lock down Jamal Murray. You're called Jimmy Buckets because the operative word there is buckets. Mm-hmm. You're playoff Jimmy because you gave us 56 and 42, not because you play lockdown D. You're playoff Jimmy because when we need you most, you get buckets. The real rub for me lies in lowering the expectation by saying, oh, this narrative doesn't exist. Very convenient to say after you have low point scores, low point totals. We didn't hear him say I'm not playoff Jimmy after 56 or after he dropped 42. There was no, that's a narrative, it's a narrative. But now it's just very convenient. Was he asked if he's playoff Jimmy? No. Did he give himself the nickname playoff Jimmy? No. People do that sometimes. But but here he's he's refuting the nickname. That's what you're supposed to do. That's press conference 101. Don't give the other team any kind of motivation or bulletin board material. I disagree. Dame Lillard does not diffuse the nickname Dame Time. Ice Trey does not say I'm not icy. Like the the Splash Brothers don't know how we're not the Splash Brothers. Jimmy Butler is in the finals against the Denver Nuggets. They're uh, they're tied 1-1 at home. What is the value of Kim coming out and trash-talking right now, playing into this narrative, when you have the Nuggets, who seemingly some people feel might be teetering in the, in the mentality department? Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way, but... 
Some, maybe someone feels that way. Why would he give them one drop of anything? Humility. No, it's not me. We know that that's not what Jimmy really is. Jimmy's an extremely so confident is he person. Play, so you're saying that he doesn't actually believe this? Doesn't believe what? That he's playoff, that play, he's playoff Jimmy. I don't, I don't see Jimmy Butler sitting around being like, yeah, I'm playoff Jimmy. Like, that's not something I envision Jimmy Butler saying. This is something for the fans. This is something for the media. This is not how he is approaching the game. But going out there and, say, and being, saying these type of things is what you should be saying when you're in a moment like this. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. I also can't help but feel like this is a byproduct of being part of the Miami Heat culture. It is. Like, I don't know if he would be saying all this or taking this approach if he was still in Philadelphia or if he was someplace else. But this is the Miami Heat approach, which is we're all here just to do a job that gets us to the finish line. Whatever job I need to do, I'm going to do it. And the other part is, again, he's being honest because... Jimmy can score when he gets certain matchups. Mm-hmm. Jimmy can't just go out and beat anybody. Like, we've, we've seen him matchup hunt plenty of times in order to get that advantageous matchup in order to score. But Eric Spolster is still running the show. And that show is not, Jimmy, you need to go get us 40 every night. It's, uh, maybe it's Bam's night. Maybe it's Gabe Vincent's night. Maybe it's we get 20 from five different guys night. Like, that's the approach. So I I think it's also a matter of if he says, I'm playoff Jimmy, or you have that expectation that he's going to average forward, he knows that's not not really the dynamic of the Miami Heat. He He can't achieve that even if he wanted to because of the way the Miami Heat play. And what benefit does that lend him if he does that and they don't win games? Exactly. We will see if they will win the game coming up shortly. But first, the NFL. We got to talk about some teams that have a shot at making a deep playoff run. But which of those teams might be taking a step back? That is next on Speak. Acho, KD or Jimmy, who do you have a bigger problem with? (laughs) All right, we have some breaking news. You're going to want to hear this if you're a sports fan, an NBA fan. Chris Paul has officially been waived by the Phoenix Suns. He's been notified that he will be waived. He is a future Hall of Famer, a top five point guard that many will say. I got an NBA insider here of my own. Slick, let's talk about it. Let's dive right into it for the viewers at home. One, first and foremost, what's the best landing spot for Chris Paul? I would go Los Angeles Clippers. Going back to the Clippers. They so desperately need a playmaker. They have the defensive players to protect him at that end. He's not the same. They don't have to worry about scoring. Let me me, me pause you. Let me pause you. Let me pause you. Chris Paul has played maybe 18 years in the National Basketball Association. He wants to win a championship. Okay. The Clippers have only been to the Western Conference Finals, I believe, one time the first year under Ty Lue. Why in the world would he, who's never won a chip, want to go to a team that's never won a chip? That doesn't make sense. Okay, so give me one other team that he would go to that needs a point guard that would be closer. Would you say this? You think the Boston Celtics could use that veteran leadership, figure out how to deal Marcus Smart, acquire Chris Paul, maybe then you keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Would that make sense? That would make sense. That would be my number two choice. My only hesitation there is how bad their defense collectively was in this run, and you're talking about moving out a defensive player of the year. Okay, here's maybe a more intriguing story line. Kevin Durant, one of the best players a game of basketball Mm. has ever seen, he joined the Suns last year. 
But Kevin Durant has had a tumultuous trajectory in history as it pertains to who he's played with. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he joined the Suns because Chris Paul was there, because Monty Williams was there, because Devin Booker was there. Yeah. Chris Paul, Monty Williams now both gone. What do you think that means? How does it impact Kevin Durant? I don't know that it, it, it impacts Kevin Durant as far as the makeup or his desire to stay there. I don't think that Chris Paul was the main attraction for him. I think it was Devin Booker. Uh, what it tells me is they do are, are going to need a new point guard now, and it speaks to something happening with DeAndre Ayton. Maybe they have the ability to go get another big, a lesser big, and a point guard that fits with Devin and KD. Years ago, Chris Paul wanted to join the Lakers. I believe back when Kobe Bryant was there, you're the historian, you know yep. better than I. Yep. David Stern maybe was the commissioner of the time, and did he block? Yes, he was. He blocked that trade. He, he rejected the trade, and, he, and Chris ended up going to the Clippers instead. Is there a chance that Chris Paul, LeBron James, close friends. Yeah. Is there a chance that Chris Paul, LeBron James, Anthony Davis might all come I up? think that there's a very great possibility of that. That's something that LeBron and, and Chris Paul have talked about in the past. That opportunity would be there. And there's a way for them to manipulate their cap where they could open up at least the 15 million that he's now supposed to get if he is being indeed waived by the Suns. Five out of the last nine years, Chris Paul has gotten hurt in the playoffs. Yeah. Five of his last nine playoff runs, playoff appearances. Can you still count on <laughs> no. Chris Paul? No, and that's why, that's why I didn't put the Lakers right at the top of the list because I could see where there would be an appeal for LeBron and Chris Paul and, and all of those guys to get together, but even though LeBron managed to get through this season and AD did without injury, the fact of the matter is you're, you're getting very top-heavy with three guys who don't have a great history. Slick, appreciate that. That is the breaking news. Got to get back to the NFL, what we were set to discuss. So many teams have incredible and incredibly high hopes this coming season. Obviously, you know how high the Jets' hopes are. The Bills, their hopes are incredibly high. The Dallas Cowboys, America's team, hopes are forever high. The 49ers, two conference championship games the last two years. Their hopes should be higher than anybody's. But who, which team... Which team's hopes are too high? Shady, I want to come to you first. Which team do you think their hopes are too high this season? I'm going with the Jags. I feel like a lot of people are putting a lot of hmm. extra hype on this team for some reason. I mean, last year they were 9-8. They barely got in the playoffs. And when I look at this team, they're, they're ran by a, a, a really, really good coach, Doug Peterson, where I played with him. A lot of respect for him. He's a really good coach. But then it goes to the quarterback next. And uh, Trevor Lawrence, as much as we want to praise him, I haven't seen it yet. I need hmm. to see more from him. I mean, I think he, he's a system quarterback. I know what they said about him coming out of college. He's going to be this great player. I don't know. I, I see them only going as far as the running game. Wow. And then that's when he has success throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. But other than that, if they had to depend on, on, on Trevor Lawrence to take them to the playoffs and do better than what they did last year, he has to be more than a system quarterback. Yep. So... I can't, I can't see it. Doug is a student of Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the greatest yeah. coaches to ever coach the game of football. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl in his second year with the Philadelphia mm -hmm. Eagles. I believe he made the playoffs in 2019, I know for certain, and he may have even made it in 2018. He, he never missed. He didn't miss. Well, didn't miss. He didn't miss. Now the Jags didn't miss. So do you believe enough in Doug Peterson? You obviously know him well. Do you believe enough in Doug Peterson to compensate for what you doubt in Jackson? I, I just think that... Uh, he only could do so much. A coach can only put you in a position to make plays. Eventually, the player has to play. Mm -hmm. The player has to throw the ball, read the coverages, don't throw picks. I mean, his first two years, he's had the most picks in the first, in the last two, in turnovers that we had. 
right? And that matters. So I think he's getting better. Trevor Lawrence is getting better. I just got to see more. I think that's solid defense. I mean, they're in a bad division, too. That's, that's another thing. I yeah. feel like that type of division they're in, being in eight, nine and eight and still making the playoffs, mm. it's only going to get harder. Mm-hmm. And the AFC is a lot harder this year. True. I don't see this, this team just squeaking past everybody getting the playoffs. Mm. And if they do, I don't know if they're going to win. Very well said. Joy, where do you stand? Which team do I have hopes? I think it's Cleveland. I mean, that mm. division is extremely crowded. Mm. And one way or another, there's nobody in the NFL who has more pressure on them this year than Deshaun Watson. Shouldn't. You got $230 million guaranteed. Everyone collectively just wiped away last year because of the suspension and thought there was going to be too much for them to overcome. It was. He came back, didn't look great which was to be expected. He hadn't played 702 days between starts between Houston and Cleveland. That's a lot of time off, particularly at that position. But you got a whole offseason now, and you've got plenty of talent. You've got a coach of the year and Kevin Stefanski. There's really not a whole lot of holes there. And you were the one who got $230 million guaranteed. If he's bad this year, which I don't expect him to be bad, but if he is, he could potentially fumble that bag for everyone at that position in the future. Because keep in mind, he got all of that with that controversy as well, which already had owners running hot. If he's extremely successful, that can change the future of contracts because we went through this whole conversation with Lamar Jackson. So to me, there's no player in the league that has more pressure on them than Deshaun Watson. Slick, when you think about the hopes for a team, mm. where do you land? I'm... With Shady, actually. The Jaguars were the first team that, that hit because of what they did last year. And I feel like everybody thinks they're going to just springboard from last year going to the playoffs and now they're going to be a factor. Mentioned the AFC being what it is. But I, I look at, I, I've looked at one. There was a, a power ranking. They were 10th in the NFL. Like, that's way, way too high for this team, especially when I'm looking at Cam Robinson uh, there is, is going to be suspended at the beginning of, of next year. Juwan Taylor is in Kansas City. Chiefs now. Um, mm. Arden Key, I believe, is um, – yeah, Arden Key was, the, was one of their better edge rushers. He's with the Titans now. Like, there's some – I think they were just on the cusp of sliding in, and I don't know that they've improved during this offseason, and I think there's going to be some issues particularly with that line. And more than anything, I'm a 1,000% with Shady on, I am not sold on Trevor Lawrence yet. I think he's shown flashes of what he's capable of, but we're talking about in the AFC with the competition that's there and with as unproven as the rest of this Jaguars team is, am I looking at Trevor Lawrence to say he's going to lead me? I, I'm, I have an easier time saying that with, with I mean, we're saying the basic, say basically the same thing about Let me, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags as we are uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. But... Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are in a really hard division. So mm-hmm. where, I, where I would agree with you, I'm not going to just like run to put you know, my, my rent payment on the Jacksonville to go deep in the playoffs. First thing you got to do is win your division. Mm-hmm. And particularly in the AFC, that's going to be super important. That division is not strong. Super weak. Texans. Trying to figure things out. I was being out. Fine, but Colts, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure things out. I mean, I mean I, but, but I'm saying, I said that to say this, like, I get y'all what the the, the, the the vision is bad, but better than you did last year. High hopes. Everybody has this yeah. team, and like you said, in the top ten, eighth, ninth. I'm like, what? Yeah. So now, in a bad division, which you should probably win that division, right? And then then what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because and, let's yeah. let's keep it real though. 
That was down 30 points in the playoff game against the, the Chargers. Basically. Every other team loses that game. Mm-hmm. Think about that, though, for a second. As much as we want to praise them, they, they, they you know, in a bad division, they 9-8, go to the playoffs, they win the playoff game, but they were down 30-0. to zero. And then they got smoked in the Come on, so I just like, I, I just don't buy it. I, I do buy into Doug Peterson. I, play, I coach with him, play with him, I understand what he is. But as far as Trevor Lawrence and other guys, I don't, I don't know. We will see. Trevor Lawrence had a great sophomore season, 4,000 yards. We'll see what he does in that junior year. Well, coming up, it is game three tonight. The most interesting topic in sports right now. Who has the edge, Nuggets or is it the Heat? Come back for that conversation as you prepare to watch the game in just over three hours. We are just hours away from one of the biggest games, really maybe the biggest game of the series, Miami Heat, Denver Nuggets. Slick, I will remind you that when series are tied 1-1 in the NBA Finals, the winner of Game 3, they win the series 80% of the time. This is no small feat for those that like to gamble and for those that are just interested in sports. The winner of this game has an 80% chance of winning the series, Mm. historically speaking. So who in the world has the edge in the matchup tonight? Heater at home. Heater good at home. Game threes, I will tell you. Heat beat the Bucks by 22. Mm-hmm. Heat beat the Knicks, I believe, by tw- 19. And Heat beat Boston by 26. Mm. So with all that information, yes. who has the edge? It doesn't sway me. The Nuggets. The Nuggets have the edge because the Nuggets are back in their sweet spot, which is that they are being doubted, that they are being undervalued. Now it's the Miami Heat. Whoa. Are they favored tonight? Miami. You know, the odds makers are going to do what the odds makers are going to do. In, in all of the conversation that's going on right now, it's we may have overvalued the Denver Nuggets. And certainly, Michael Malone is on them mm-hmm. about no effort. This is embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to show up in this game. And if they are the team that I think they are talent-wise, if they show up, if they play with discipline – and effort, then that's going to be the difference. I just haven't seen that consistently up to this point. And I also believe there's going to, you go on the road, there are fewer distractions, particularly when you're in the finals for the first time. Like all the people around you that want to get to a finals game, that want to be part of the whole hoopla, like you don't deal with that on the road because you don't have family and friends pulling on you. You can just focus in on the game. I believe that's going to make the difference. Who's got the edge too far? I'm going with the, uh, the Heat. I think the way they played in mean, game two, right, on the road, which haven't – nobody has beaten the, the, the Nuggets at home. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. You're bringing all that momentum, all that confidence, you're bringing it down to Miami to home, in a home game. Mm-hmm. The fans are going to be going crazy. Um, and by the way, I got to put more respect on Gabe Vincent's name. Yep. He, it, it should, they should call him Playoff Gabe. <laughs> right? He's mm-hmm. earned that respect. I just think the, the, the Heat have more uh, of an advantage tonight. Yeah, traditionally, Miami is a city that we associate with not having distractions when you're on the road. <laughs> That's usually, you know, when they mention Miami, they're like, quiet, yeah. not much to do, nowhere to All eat. Right. All right. I don't see Nikola Jokic as a dude who's no, going out of South Beach. I'm not making any like, accusations whatsoever. I'm yeah. just saying yeah. South Beach flu is a thing, although I don't think it's going to apply here. I mean, Practically speaking, the Heat would have the advantage in, in this game. They, they have the next two games at home. Mm-hmm. They stole one mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. They do have the momentum. Uh, but that said, the Nuggets are 4-3 and three on the road mm-hmm. in, in these playoffs. They're, they're actually 
shooting better. They're yep. more points shooting better. better on the field, yep. uh, from the field in the road in these playoffs. Yep. They're 117.6 points per game and mm-hmm. 50.3 field goal percentage. So they're up on the road. I, I mean, I don't really know. How do the Nuggets become the under? Like, they're literally favored on the road against the Heat, and now everyone's doubting them. But aren't they? I mean, they Who's are, aren't the they? Who's nine the Nuggets? I've been hearing some doubts about who right. the Nuggets actually are on what's this the, panel. What's the toss-up, Shady? You might know the answer to this. In football, if the spread's one and a half, then it's a pick Yeah, it's In three points. Home court is supposed to be worth three points. So, this so, is really, a toss- so really, it's a six-point swing. Yeah. Got it. So this isn't a pick No. This no. Is no. This is, this is should like the, be six. The Heat should be favored. Yes. Because they're at home. Yes. And not only not favored, the Nuggets are favored by three. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just I saying. The uh, only goes, I mean, the, the, the Nuggets are a better team. They're a better team, but that don't mean they're going to win. So I think they're, 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 they're favoring the better team. Better talent. Like, get the two-time MVP. And, and look. Man, you got to go with them. Whatever the odds makers are saying, the, the atmosphere around the Denver Nuggets is, is, are we really who we are? That's what I'm feeling. They have something to prove now, which is what they felt that they had all throughout the playoffs at this point. Needed to prove that they really were the number one seed in the Western Conference. Need to prove that this eighth-seeded team coming out of the Eastern Conference isn't actually capable of beating them. Game three tonight. Joy, who's the biggest factor in this game? I think it's going to be Jamal Murray. Jokic is going to get busy regardless. Mm-hmm. We know that. But what Jamal, Jamal Murray puts up points-wise in this game, I think, is going to be the biggest factor. Biggest factor, Jamal Murray, 2-5, where you at? I'm going with a playoff Gabe. Playoff Gabe. Mm. I, I think they go to him number two. When they want a, a playmaker, they go to him. So let's see what happens. He's been shooting the ball from lights out from three. Michael Porter Jr., come on down. Play, the finals have started, whether you're aware of it or not. That's three for 17 from three. He shot 40% in the previous series. Average like 15 and 9. He gave him 5 and 6. Slick, for the sake of time, let me cut you off to counter you. Would you not say Aaron Gordon? Game one, he dominated because Kevin Love wasn't in the starting lineup. Game two, they inserted Kevin Love into the starting lineup. He disappeared. Could you say that Aaron Gordon is the most important? You could, and if he takes advantage of Kevin Love, you could say that flips it. But uh, the three-point shooting is the difference, and Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a bigger impact on that. Who you got winning? Nuggets. Who you got winning? I mean, come on. Come on. I think the Heat might get this one. Heat get this one. I got to go Denver with this one. I'll say Denver gets it done. Yo, that's it for us. We'll catch you all tomorrow. Appreciate y'all tuning in, family.